you all are having an increased awareness of God's working in your lives as we're going through Philippians. Um, as we know from last week, God is always working in you to bring about his purposes through your life. And uh, we're also happy to have Clint back with us. Um, he came back uh, this week and, and we saw God do an amazing work in providing a job for him just first day, first day back, and God provided a job, actually two jobs. And uh, so, so that was just an amazing praise. Um, and so that was, that was wonderful. God is working. And um, um, I know he's working in my life. Um, somehow, you know, when we drew straws for what passages <clears throat> we're going to teach on, I got this one. And uh, God always, I always get the passages on the areas that I need to work on the most. And so obviously when I received this passage about do all things without grumbling or disputing, the first thing I did was complain about it. Um, but uh, anyway, if my message uh, this morning seems a little disconnected, I apologize up front for that. There's just, there's, there were so many thoughts that came into my mind, because I've been thinking about this for weeks now, and um, I really, I, I probably did not put this together in as organized a manner as I would have liked to. Um, um, so it's hopefully it doesn't seem like it's rambling, but it, it might be. I'll, I'll lay that out to begin with. But I, I do want to start, and I'm going to start by reading the passage again. Okay, I'm going to start from Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Last week was about God giving us the power to change for his purpose. Um, his expectation for us is to cooperate with the ability he is giving, that word his working in us, uh, I don't remember if, if, um, if Eric talked about it, but it's the word energio, which is like the word energy. God's giving us the energy. Um, um, so are we growing more Christ-like day by day, week by week, year by year? And, um, you know, we should all want to have as a goal that we want to be different a year from now than we are today. Do, you know, do we have that mindset? Do we even think like that? Um, Day by day, we need to be using all the means that God has given us, the word, prayer, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the energio, the energy that he's giving us, and our fellow brothers and sisters to grow, to grow more like Christ. Um, so verse 12 started with a therefore, um, and this week's does not start with that connector. So in my understanding, this is just a continuation of what Paul is talking about. 
And we could look at this command to do all things without grumbling or disputing as a way of him telling the Philippians, look, this is one way how practically you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is what it looks like. That is, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So here's a concrete way of making real their salvation. So of all the things that Paul could point to, to Marcus's blameless, innocent children of God, shining in the darkness of this world, why does he command us to do all things without grumbling and disputing? I mean, of all the issues you could pick, Paul, why would you pick this one? <clears throat> you, could, you could say, I want you guys to live this way or not do this or abstain from this, and then you'll really stand out to the world. You know, but, but Paul focuses in on do all things without grumbling or disputing. So of all the things that Paul, um, well, think about what he's been saying all along in this letter. What has he been calling the church to do? Not just to strive for the faith of the gospel, but to do so with one mind, one heart, side by side, to do so with the same love, to do so with loving unity. He says, do nothing with selfish ambition or conceit. Well, obviously grumbling and disputing, that kind of skeptical questioning, that criticism, critical spirit, arguments, the undercurrent of all of that, all display selfish ambition and rivalry. They display proud conceit. You remember what James said in James 4, he said, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So Paul has been talking about unity in the church throughout um, Philippians 2. And um, <clears throat> he is aware that disunity in a church um, is, he's got some awareness of disunity beginning to happen in the church in Philippi because he's going to address that in chapter 4 between two women in the church. And Paul knows that a divisive sort of lifestyle that contradicts the reconciliation through the love of God would show itself by grumbling and disputing. I mean, a person that actually believes he's loved by God and has taken in God's amazing love and grace, and now he's going to gripe and complain about what God is doing in his life. You know, we just learned last week that God is at work in us to um, work for his good pleasure, and, um, and now all of a sudden we're going to complain about that. Or he's going to gripe and complain about his brothers and sisters in Christ. Or he's going to show a prideful attitude and consider himself better than other people or his views as more important. He's not going to humble himself. Well, that's completely contrary to the whole picture we have of the gospel. So without unity, problems will overtake a church, and Paul knows this. And any church is going to go into a state of decline. And it seems like in every letter, if you really look at all the letters that Paul writes, you might not find the word unity in every letter, but he brings up the subject of unity in, in some form or fashion, whether he's writing to the Corinthians, the Romans, the Ephesians, <clears throat> the Philippians, um, the Colossians. It's really a big deal because he understands that if a church doesn't have unity, a church will not be strong. So what are, what are these all things that he's talking about? Um, do all things <clears throat> without grumbling or disputing. Um, I think certainly in the context <clears throat> of the passage, we need to address some of the all things in relationship to unity. 
uh, in the church, um, that is relationships in the church, but I don't want to limit it to that because all things does mean all things. So that includes, as we've seen from the beginning of the passage, um, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit without grumbling, humbling yourself and counting others more important than yourself without grumbling, having an awareness of other people's interests without grumbling. In summary, it's being a person of humble, other-oriented service without grumbling. And that can be hard, right? Because it means doing things that you very well may not get recognized for from anyone except God alone. Um, it will mean sacrificing your wants. Um, it'll mean serving others not on your timetable. It may mean getting taken advantage of, even. Um, we'll talk about that later. <clears throat> but this was the attitude that Jesus had, which Paul said that we are to have. We're on, to take on the same mindset which Jesus had. He did all of the things that he did um, without grumbling or disputing. He emptied himself, took the form of a man, um, became obedient to the point of death. He did all these things without grumbling or disputing. And just to pause, I want to just define the words a little bit. <clears throat> so grumbling is what you might think it is. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Um, you might better associate this word with complaining, okay? <clears throat> but the word disputing is often translated um, in other passages as thoughts. So you might think, you know, what thoughts? Well, sometimes it's translated evil thoughts. Sometimes it's translated arguing. And you might think, dispute with whom? Um, well, Paul is talking about thoughts that are disputing or quarreling with God. It's questioning God as if to say to his face, you shouldn't be treating me this way. Or people shouldn't be treating me this way. And you're in control of all that. So the disputing is kind of the internal thoughts, but it works itself out into external grumbling and complaining. So in essence, when we are grumbling, I mean, the bottom line is we're disputing with God, <clears throat> and we'll get to that. But back to Jesus. So Jesus did not dispute with God. He didn't say, well, you know, God, you have a plan, but you know what? I have a plan. And my plan is that I'm not going to go down there and die for those people. Um, so Jesus did not dispute with God, but he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And Jesus didn't complain about anything either. Um, so we have some examples that we can learn from Jesus. In Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. Um, you think about when we are oppressed and afflicted. I mean, I... More often than not, open my mouth and complain. Um, 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 
I think there's a key in that passage to how we can help ourselves keep our mouths closed. And um, I think the key to that is entrusting ourselves to God who judges justly. Um, I think we, just, we need to trust God more. Um, I think we need to memorize passages like Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We, we, we really need to believe that God is working for our good. We always talk about God is working for our good and for his glory, but we need to, we need to find those passages. We need to memorize those passages so that we're in, we're in those situations that are dissatisfying to us, that want to make us discontent. We can entrust ourselves to God, that he has not gone out to lunch, you know, that he still knows what he's doing. In other words, we need to be people that are so amazingly content in God's sovereign care over us and his ruling of the world and his turning everything for good that we don't complain and thoughts don't arise in our minds to cause us to dispute with God and the way that he's doing things. I'm going to say that again. In other words, we need to be people that are so amazingly content in God's sovereign care over us and his ruling of the world and his turning everything for good that we don't complain and thoughts don't arise in our minds to cause us to dispute with God and the way that he is doing things. So why should we do all things this way? Well, we do this so that we will shine. We will appear as lights in the world, literally stars in the cosmos or stars in the dark sky. If, if all Christians live this way and you look at night in the dark sky, it, it, it would, there's so many stars. It, it, it would just, it would be phenomenal. Um, so I kind of got off of the unity and the relationships. This is where I'm bouncing around, but that kind of had to do with other things that happen in our lives, circumstances and things we don't like. But I want to get back to relationships here for a minute. <clears throat> so let's focus on all things in terms of relationships among our fellow brothers and sisters. We're all going to be together in heaven someday. I like how Paul even um, threw in the phrase, the day of Christ in this passage. Um, <clears throat> because I think when we're thinking about God working in our lives to will and to work for his good pleasure, um, we need to think in terms of working out your salvation in fear and trembling. He's working on us to a destination, okay? So um, the destination is that we're going to be glorified. We're going to be like Christ. And um, as far as this goes with not complaining when it comes to unity and relationships to brothers and sisters. Well, we're all going to be in heaven someday. So we're all going to be getting along someday in heaven. Um, now you might say, well, I just hope that I don't have to see that one person, you know. Well, you know what? Don't be surprised if God is building their house right next to the house that he's building for you in heaven. Because he's going to see to it that you are getting along with that person in heaven. Um, you guys probably heard this phrase before, but one person put it this way, to live above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. 
but to live below with saints we know, now that's a different story. So with respect to working out your salvation with fear and trembling, work out what is going to be true of you in the kingdom come, which is we're all going to get along in loving unity. How you and I treat one another is very important to God. We should not be tearing one another down. God loves his church. One of the reasons we need to be careful about causing disunity is because if God is working in a church and God is energizing people to fulfill his purpose and God is equipping those people in that church to carry out his will and you're causing disunity, then who are you working against? You're working against God. That is why there's fear and trembling in this. Grumbling and complaining about other people is the world's favorite pastime, but it ought to be radically different for the Christians. It's contrary. This is, this is another, probably maybe the biggest reason. It's contrary to Christ's prayer in John 17 that his followers would be one, even as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one for a very important reason, the most important reason, so that the world would believe that God the Father sent Jesus the Son. Think about that for a minute. I mean, if, if, if Jesus is saying, I'm praying this prayer that you guys would be one, that you guys would have unity there, you know, people aren't seeing the church and going like, look at all them talking about each other and they don't like each other and they're complaining about each other, then the world is not going to... He, he's praying this so that the world would believe that God the Father sent Jesus the Son. Maybe, maybe, less, maybe, maybe we don't see people believing because of our behavior in the church. Not, I'm not talking about everyone here. I'm just talking in general. I mean, maybe this is why we don't see people believing in the church in general. That Maybe the church in general doesn't see as many people come to Christ because of, of these things. Um, loving unity is the way that Jesus said that, he would that we would show that we were actually his disciples and that we would prove to the world that God had actually sent his son to reconcile the world to himself. So what happens when instead of love and unity, we have grumbling and disputing? Well, it sends the exact opposite message. Instead of sending a message of reconciliation... It sends a message of division and contention. Instead of sending a message of God loves sinners, God is willing to restore people who have been rebels, that he's going to change them. Instead, it says, if you're wrong, if you think differently than me, then you're my enemy. I mean, it's, a, it's a mockery of his declaration that his disciples be identified by their love for one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. But if we're always pointing out one another's faults, <clears throat> complaining about one another's faults and weaknesses, then um, they're not going to know that we're his disciples. Um, James 5.9 is a really good <clears throat> verse. It says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So if God is the real judge and not me, if God knows my brothers and sisters' hearts and not me, then it's not my job to stand in judgment of my brother or sister. 
this is where the whole issue of conscience comes in. We all have blind spots, and we do disagree at times, but if there is mutually humility and love, our differences don't divide us, provided we're clear on the gospel. Those differences don't create slander and anger and hard feelings. I want to um, just share three verses um, and just listen closely as I share them to what you find is in common in all three of them with respect to unity. Okay, <clears throat> so Paul's writing to the Ephesians. This is Ephesians 4, 2 through 4. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's the first one. Second one is 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And then the last one is Colossians 3, <clears throat> 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So those are three verses, and, and Paul is addressing unity in the church in these verses. And it's just amazing that what's in common in all of these three verses is humility is in all three verses. Love is in these verses. <clears throat> um, patience, um, you, gentleness, or tender heart, or compassion. I mean, it, kind of the same thing there. Um, and then I liked in Colossians, if one has a complaint against another. I mean, Paul is saying that, like, we, I know that, like, we have disagreements. I know that there's going to be things that come up. But he doesn't say, if one has a complaint against another, then start arguing and just fight about it and complain to, to, to your other brothers and sisters in life group about that other brother and sister that you have a complaint against. No, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing that um, there, in, <laughs> there's like no room for complaining and grumbling about other brothers and sisters. I mean, it's, it's obviously it takes humility and patience, gentleness, kindness, love. But those are the things that we, that's what God is working in us, right? He, with the Holy these are the fruits of the Spirit. So we can live this way. I mean, we, we can live this way. Um, uh, if we allow the Spirit to, to, to empower us and to control our lives, um, I, I think sometimes, I mean, it, it's interesting. I know this, this doesn't really apply probably with, but when it talks about Jesus opened not his mouth, kept his mouth shut, I mean, probably Jesus was able to control his thoughts and his mouth and everything else in between. But I think sometimes with us, we do need to, mm, I'm just, I might be struggling with these thoughts, but I'm mm, going to just keep my mouth shut. And not gonna. 
And then let God, God, please work on me, help me. Help me to get these thoughts where they need to be. But I'm not going to open my mouth because I know if I open my mouth, I'm going to start spewing stuff that's not good. You know, <clears throat> I'm even, even honestly, as, as I've been meditating on this passage for a number of weeks now, um, I feel like, you know, we can get into habits of complaining and grumbling and, and disputing with God, and, um, which is not a good place to be in. <clears throat> and it's hard to get out of those habits, but I feel like uh, even like at my job, I've kind of been in, in bad habits of that. And so just even meditating on this passage and thinking through things the past number of weeks, I've been in times where I would typically go like, why do we have to do that? That's stupid, you know, or something. I've been, mm, if that thought comes in my head, I'm like, not, not going to say it. I'm just, God help me, because I, I just need to please help me think right about this. I don't want to keep saying, or this happened, or I get an email about something that you have to do that you don't think is part of the job, and it, but you have to do it, and it's going to take a, long, a lot of time, and you're thinking, I don't understand why I have to do that, but, but obviously God is in control of that. You know, so, so I just, it, it's been really, it's been really good for me. Um, but look how, how Paul describes us when we're shining as lights in the world. Children of God displaying the character of God. Grumbling and disputing is so out of step with the character of God. Grumbling and disputing calls into question if the gospel can really change people from the inside out. When we have an attitude there is something in our heart that is, that is not right. There is something that needs to change through the power of God working within us. Um, what, we're, what, what are we known for as a body of believers or even individually? <clears throat> you know, um, are we known for our political positions? Are we known for the way we do church? Well, I, I want us to be known for our loving unity and our compassion for all people. Um, because it's only that kind of character that shines through the darkness. And um, even at work, I, I want to be known as, as, a, as a patient, humble, loving person that um, doesn't, doesn't have an attitude, you know, if that makes sense. I mean, you can have an attitude to where everything that the, comes down from the boss or this or that is like, why do we have to do this? You know, it's just a critical attitude about everything. And, that, and that's what I'm talking about. You can get into that habit, and it's a bad habit to get into because it's, it's the antithesis of, of Christ if he was working there. You know, <clears throat> that is not the attitude that he would have. Um, so think what would happen if your heart were not <clears throat> in this grumbling and contentious zone what would your Facebook posts look like? What would your tweets look like? What would your conversations in the hallway look like? <clears throat> what would your attitude be towards others in your own church family who don't agree with you on some matter of conscience? Because grumbling and complaining can be so prevalent in our lives, I want us to see that God considers this a serious thing. <clears throat> because sometimes I think 
you know, we can just see it as like, well, yeah, that's just, um, I'm just wired that way, you know. Well, well, no one, no one's wired holy, all right. I mean, we we're not wired to be godly, <clears throat> but but again, I think the key is the passage right before this that God is working in us to will and to work for His good pleasure, and and knowing that we can overcome these things, we can be people who don't walk in this grumbling and contentious zone all the time. Um, so as you know, <clears throat> Paul was a student of the Old Testament, and so I, I mean, personally, I don't think it's by accident that he uses the words, um, do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Because um, I think Paul would have known the passage from Deuteronomy 32, where Moses recited a song to the people of Israel before he gave the reins of leadership to Joshua, and you find these same exact words, okay? In it are these words, speaking, get this, speaking of the generation of Israelites who wandered in the wilderness because they were an obstinate, complaining, grumbling, frankly disobedient people. So Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 and 5. The rock, capital R, talking about God. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are crooked and twisted generation. Now, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul didn't like bury the message in a phrase uh, like he did here in Philippians, which, you know, maybe they caught on to, maybe they didn't. Maybe he taught them things from the Old Testament, not sure. But here in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through 11, he just came right out and told them the story, okay? So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. You remember said the, the phrase rock from Deuteronomy. Um, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. <clears throat> so these things were written for our instruction. <clears throat> so when we are complaining about our circumstances, 
Our issue isn't ultimately with the circumstances. Our issue ultimately is with God. You're ultimately unhappy and not content with the way God is working in your life. What you're saying is, God, I don't believe you love me. I mean, I, I know you're, technically you're probably thinking, well, I love God. I mean, but, but really, that's, that's what you're saying. And God is saying, I love you and I can provide for you. But you're really not believing that. In essence, your complaining is saying, God, I don't like the way you're providing for me. If you loved me, you would be doing this and you wouldn't be doing that. And you're telling God what to do. When we grumble against a boss or a parent or a leader or someone in authority um, of any sort, um, including the president of the United States, we are grumbling against God because the Bible says no authority exists unless they are established by God. God's the one who, God's the one who put, even my boss, like I'm talking from, to myself. I mean, I get this email from my second level manager. I need you to do this. And I'm like, what? Why? It's like, I just need to go like, wow, God, I mean, she's the authority you put in my life. I need to do it. Thank you, God. You know, um, when we grumble about other people, we're grumbling against God because we are, for the most part, impatient with what he's doing in their lives. We want him to change them for our convenience. You know, I, I think sometimes like even when we're raising children, you know, it's like uh, we want to see them become what we want to see them become quicker than, you know, we might be seeing things happen. And so we grumble about that, you know, but God is working in their lives, you know, keep praying for them. So you might ask, you know, well, can I say anything? I mean, I really want to like just get it off my chest. I mean, what if, okay, what if it's illegal or immoral or unethical? Can I say something? Or if an issue needs to be brought up, don't I need to speak up about it? Well, here's how I would address that to keep it from being grumbling. I think grumbling is when you talk about something horizontally with others who are not part of the solution. I mean, you're just like, hey, I just want to tell you about this situation. Why? I mean, am I going to help you resolve it? You know? Oh, no, I just wanted to get it off my chest. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking to other people about some situation or other people. You know, oh, this person did this, and I really didn't like it. You know, I can't believe they did that. Um, in my mind, problems or issues should go vertical. Um, or they need, or they need to be talked to with someone who is a part of the solution, you know, um, not to just random horizontal people um, that are not part of the problem or the solution. Or, or, or it could be this: it could be maybe you know something about a person that that you have insight about and others don't. You know, you become aware of uh, or gain some insight of some weaknesses. Um, in a brother or sister's life. <clears throat> and, um, well, why did God give you that insight? You know, was it to spread that, you know, with everyone else, you know, in the church? Like, hey, did you know that, like, so-and-so is struggling with this area, you know? No, it, it's, it's probably God gave you that insight so that you would pray for them. 
and, and maybe God gave you that insight so that you would be the one that he might want to use to come alongside them and, and help them make progress in the faith. Not so that you can tell everyone else about that person's weaknesses. <clears throat> so what are, what are we going to do? Um, well, we need to stop grumbling and complaining so that we may be blameless and innocent. Um, like Philippians 1.6 said, that God is... Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, Paul's confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so that's what God is up to. All right? So we need to cooperate with God's working in our life. Um, <clears throat> if we continue in a pattern or mode of complaining and arguing with God, we certainly won't be blameless or innocent, and we won't shine, okay? Because in my experience, when, when you're in a pattern of grumbling, we will not respond to others in a godly way. It's, to be frank with you, it's like you are walking through life with a chip on your shoulder. Um, we'll have hearts filled with unforgiveness. We're not, you know, like it said in Colossians, if you have a complaint against one another, forgive them. You, when you're in a pattern of grumbling and, and complaining, you, that's not really, your heart isn't really filled with forgiveness. Um, you kind of are walking through with a life with a, hey, they owe me attitude, um, or more like retaliation. What can I do to get back at them? Um, or if you're serving someone, hey, you know what? I'm not giving them one more minute than necessary because I got things I want to do. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a bad place to be in a mode of complaining and an arguing with God. If you feel like you're not growing in your walk with the Lord, check on how much you complain. And if you've fallen into bad habits of being critical of everything, Another big problem is if you keep complaining or being critical about something or someone, it can just lodge deep, you know, in your heart. And then it's really hard to get it out of there. Like, like um, you know, I can't work for that guy. I, I can't work for that guy anymore. Uh, um, and really, it might be your problem, not, not really their problem. Or, or I can't learn from that guy anymore. I, I can't listen and learn from that guy anymore. Um, and that's just a bad place to be in, and it's not healthy. <clears throat> so we need to stop for the sake of others so that we will shine. Um, if we walk in a, a life of not grumbling and complaining, it will increase our ability to be a witness to others because people will see that there's something different about you. If you are known to the lost people around you as a grumbler, then why are they going to want to hear anything from you about God? Um, I, I think, you know, Paul uses the word shine here. Um, Jesus talked about shining in Matthew uh, 5, about let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. <clears throat> and in the context of that passage, he's talking about when people, you know, slam you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you, you know, rejoice and be glad, you know, don't complain and argue, you know, and I think they kind of go together because 
I mean, that response is out of this world. That response is, what's up with you, man? You're different, you know? And I, I think it's the same way. I think, I think we can, I think that's what Paul is getting at is, is we will shine. We will, we will appear um, uh, to be as stars in, in a dark world um, if, if we can live this way. Um, the other thing, I said like there'd be just several thoughts, so they're random. Be careful as a parent about grumbling about people, okay? In the church, at school, whatever. Um, people in authority, because um, especially in the church, you know, whether it's like they're a wanna teacher or the elders or someone, really anyone in the church, because there might be a point in time where, where your son or daughter really needs the church, right? And um, that you've been undercutting week after week. And um, when they get to that point, why would they even listen to you or anyone from the church? Because you just, you know, cut it down, you know, all the time. So that's not going to go over well. Um, now, instead of grumbling, we need to give praise to God. Instead of grumbling, we need to think on the good things. And, and what's great about the book of Philippians, it's really just a manual on how to overcome, how to live a life of overcoming grumbling. Paul's going to talk about contentment. We've already talked about rejoicing and joy and, and, and hard times. He's going to talk about how to think about good things. I mean, so it, it, it <clears throat> honestly, as we've gone through this book, it, it's already helped me a lot. And so when we get to the section here about do all things without grumbling and complaining, it, it, it just fits. You know, we've already talked about God is always working in our lives. We've talked about <clears throat> um, Paul rejoicing. And when you're in hard times, you know, ask people for prayer and um, he wants the church to be of one mind and striving together for the faith of the gospel. And even at the end of chapter one, he talks about like, um, when your opponents are against you, show no fear for it's a sign of destruction for them. I mean, it, it's just, um, it, it, it all goes together. And um, Paul knows that life is lumpy, okay? Paul knows, I mean, he, for anyone to, to have experienced life, being lumpy, it's Paul, all right? For anyone to experience life is not fair. You know, you could do a meme with Paul and say, life's not fair, you know? I mean, but there's problems in life, you know? We need to accept the things, we need to accept that things are going to happen, but don't let that make us become crooked or twisted. Rather, see them as God giving us opportunities to shine in the darkness, okay? Um, again, preaching to myself every week at work. I'm sure the same thing happens to you guys, right? I mean, something happens and you don't like it. But if we could see that as, ah, opportunity to shine in the darkness, or I'm going to be like everybody else on my team and just complain and whine about it, you know? Um, so opportunity. So see these things as opportunities to shine in the darkness and an opportunity to hold out the word of life to the world around us. Um, Paul says, holding fast to the word of life. 
so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What can we do? If there are areas of dissatisfaction in your life, we can pray. Paul, again, answer in Philippians, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. We're going to go there in, in, in future weeks. I, I really think some of us live on the edge of a turnaround, but then we miss out on what God has on the other side because we start complaining uh, about our situation. And then that like diminishes our faith. We, we you know, we just uh, walk by faith, not by sight. We start to walk by sight and mm, then we start complaining and it diminishes our faith and we never get to the other side that God is like, I got this thing for you over on the other side, but you're, you start to open your eyes and walking by sight, and then you start complaining, and you never get to the other side that I had for you. <clears throat> when we can't understand it, and when we can't see what he's doing, then every time you begin to feel discouraged because you can't see anything happening, and every time you're feeling frustrated because you're like, I'd really love my situation to change, just begin to thank the Lord <clears throat> and say, Lord, I can't see, I don't understand, but I know you're God, and I know you're at work, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Because I know this, you're good, and you do good, and it's got to be very, very awesome what you're doing. So God, I'm going to anticipate your goodness. So again, when we're in these situations of dissatisfaction, um, we're, we're discouraged because we can't, we just can't see it. We can't see anything happening. We've been in a situation for a long time <clears throat> or we're frustrated because um, we see a situation not changing. Um, we need to pray and, and start thanking God and, and, and relying on his goodness and praising him for his goodness and anticipating his goodness. And what does the scripture say about those who have the mindset that I just described? And you can even memorize this verse to help you get through it. Isaiah 49, 23. Those who hope in the Lord will never be disappointed. Those who hope in the Lord will never be disappointed. The good news is the book of Philippians, as I said, is all about conquering grumbling. And we'll hear more about this, you know, in every week to come. Uh, and the more we learn and see and apply what Paul is teaching in Philippians, the more grumble-free we can become. Um, <clears throat> contentment is a huge key to conquer grumbling and complaining, and Paul's going to cover that in chapter 4. Um, the last thing I don't want us to miss from this passage is in the last section, <clears throat> and I'm going to read it real quick, just verse 17 and 18. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So, um, a couple commentaries talk about, was he talking about the Old Testament sacrifice or was he talking about in Philippi and the Greco-Roman, you know, where they would pour wine out as a sacrifice. To, either way, it's not... I'm going to go with the Old Testament one because he already, I feel like, used an analogy to that. 
But in the Old Testament, when in, either way, they have the same meaning that like you're pouring out your life, you're giving, you're sacrificing. But in the Old Testament, when an animal was sacrificed, after it was burned up on the altar, the last thing <clears throat> was to pour wine over it, which was considered the drink offering. And as you can imagine, when you pour liquid over something hot, it just kind of goes up in the air and evaporates. And, um, and so I, I feel like I, I like that, if that's what Paul is doing better, because I feel like the meaning of what Paul is saying is that he's, he was pouring out his life for service to the Philippians as an act of worship upon their faith. That, you know, their faith was on the altar and he was just like, you know, I'm going to pour out everything I got, my life as a drink offering, and it's just going to go up in smoke as an aroma to God, as an act of worship. Um, that's how I'm going to live my life for you guys. And um, Paul's life of service for the Philippians, as we already saw in chapter one, was that he, he was going to remain for their joy and progress in the faith. That was the sacrifice. Um, he, he, he was living a life of service so that they would make joy and progress in the faith. So how could he be glad and rejoice? This is why. Seeing the effectiveness of the gospel in the lives of those who put faith in Christ made suffering and even dying worth it for him. And even a cause for rejoicing. Um, and I, and I, I want to say a phrase um, that I came across that I want to share, and I'm going to repeat it because it really um, hit me hard. The measure of what I'm willing to pay is the measure of how much it's worth. The measure of what I'm willing to pay is the measure of how much it's worth. So think about that in terms of sacrificing your time, energy, effort for someone else's progress and joy in the faith. That's, that's the mindset Paul had. And Paul knew that living a life of helping others make progress in the faith was worth living for, and it was even worth dying for, because it was worth so much. That's what made him so willing to pay the price of sacrifice. So the question is for us as we live our lives, what sacrifices have you and I been making to advance the progress of faith in the lives of other people? What am I willing to sacrifice for gospel progress? What am I willing to give to see someone else's strength, um, someone else be strengthened in the faith? You know, if, if, if I struggle with, with making it to church, you know, what am I going to do with giving time that I wanted to use for sleep or, or, or sports or something else, and giving that to actually helping somebody in need, or taking the time to disciple my kids, or to share the gospel with my neighbor. What am I afraid to give up? What am I unwilling to give up for the sake of the gospel? We're really talking about failing to see how valuable something is. That's what I, that, that's what that, why that phrase impacted me so hard. When we're when we're not willing to give something up, it's because we're not seeing the value of what God said is valuable about helping others make joy and progress in the faith. But when we sacrifice to put our efforts into seeing others make joy and progress in the faith, then we will find that the joy of faith is the opposite of the complaining of faith, the discontentment of faith, the disputing of faith. 
loving others in this way, the way God loved us, is holding fast to the word of life. If you ever ride down the highway, I'm sure you have seen the billboards for the 88.5 radio station, and there's just a sign up there that says, Speak Life, because um, I think there's a song that says, Speak Life. Um, but um, well, we know who has the words of eternal life, and um, we need to stop grumbling and complaining because it is not life-giving, Okay. It, 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 it sucks life out of you and others when we grumble and complain. And, and of all people, we should be ones who are speaking life to, to, to each other, to others around us, to the world. Um, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world because the darkness needs gospel light. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we know, and and, and I just want to be clear, God, that that we can't just... um, that the takeaway from this, this morning is not just, okay, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to stop grumbling starting now. I'm going to start arguing, I'm going to stop arguing with you about circumstances and what happens and what happens the rest of the day. It's not, God, living, living this way is otherworldly. Living this way is supernatural. Um, God, I mean, t- to appear blameless and innocent. We are your children and you want us to live this way because that's what blameless and innocent children of God would look like, should look like. Um, But God, we need need your strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life who is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We need all of those things. We need the power of your spirit to be working in our lives to live grumble-free lives. And, And I pray that you would do that work in us so that we could have testimonies that say, this week, I depended on God to give me the strength to live this way, and God did. And I had this situation come up, and and God, and my heart was different, and and my response was different because God helped me get through that. God gave me the right thinking. God, he controlled my tongue. He gave me the right thoughts. He changed my thoughts quickly from my natural inclinations. And God, I just pray that you would um, help us so much, God, so that we could shine brightly among those around us, God, and, um, and that people would be drawn to the light, your light. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name.